welcome to True Crime IRL, true crime in real life. I'm your host, Kelly Barron's Brink. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime IRL. I'm your host, Kelly Barron's Brink. So last week, I told you about Ireland's Catholic-run mother and baby homes that were open in the mid-20th century. They ruined a lot of lives. So today, I have a very special guest. She's a woman who was born into one of these homes. She was one of the lucky ones. She survived. And now she's a huge part of the coalition of mother and baby home survivors. She's a survivor. Welcome to the show, Cloda Malone. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. So I have so many questions for you. I'm sure you've been asked a lot of these questions before, but um, yeah, I'm excited to hear your story. So just a little background on what I'm doing right now. I'm I'm talking about some of the crimes and conspiracies and, and cover-ups and things like that of specifically the Catholic Church right now. So uh, last week's episode was about the mother and baby homes in Tomb. Uh, so I know there were a lot more homes than just that one. There were like 18, something like that. Is that right? Well, there were hundreds of these homes speckled all over Ireland, but officially for the Commission of Inquiry, which was started in 2014, that was the government coming together with survivors. And they only listed that amount of homes, but there were hundreds. You've got to remember, like, this was, babies were currency. Oh, yes. Yes, huge currency. It was worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I I talked a lot about that. Uh, It was one of the biggest um, commodities of Ireland at the time and one of the largest child trafficking organizations of all time in, in the world, really. So take me back. So 1970s, when you were born, right? I don't want to out your age or anything like that. So sorry. But take me back to 1970, when your mother, your birth mother was pregnant. What information do you have about that time? Do you, do you know a lot about what was going on then? Oh, I I do. Absolutely. Um, I suppose what happened, uh, really, how I've reached where I am now is I am marinated in, you know, the history of the mother and baby homes. So in 1970, my birth mother was in a relationship for two and a half years. She fell pregnant and never told my father. And she fled to England, as a lot of women did, Mm -hmm. um, thinking that possibly they could have maybe a termination or give their child up for adoption in Ireland get away from the shame so she presented herself four days before my birth I would imagine she was the she was only 23 which was old for mother and baby homes yeah yeah. and she was escorted by um I don't know whether social workers or policemen or whatever and she was put on a boat with another Irish girl who was pregnant by a a parish priest so what wait back up yeah (laughs) She was pregnant by a parish priest. Yeah, this happened an awful lot. This did. You know. Oh, wow. Yes, and a lot of nuns got pregnant by parish priests and their children were given up. Oh, like everybody was at it in Ireland. Um, And remember, we had no contraception. 
Right. And sex outside of marriage. And if you got pregnant, you were better off being a murderer. That's exactly what I said in last week's episode. I said women who fell pregnant outside of marriage were on the same level as murderers and rapists and killers. Yes, yes. Yep, yep. Just a terrible, terrible things that happened in the mid 20th century in, in Ireland at the hands of the Catholic Church for the most part. So um, which home were you born into? Do you know um, the name of that place? Or Yes. So I was born um, when my mother was scrubbing a granite step and her labors broke. And um, I was born there and uh, a very horrific um, delivery because in the homes, our mothers weren't given any pain relief and they roared into their faces. There were no doctors present, you know, for stitching or anything like that. It was absolutely brutal. And I was with my mother for 10 weeks and I was named Aileen McCabe and I was baptized within 24 hours that's what they did um because they wanted to try and get we were baptized very quickly I was going to ask is that because so many babies died they wanted to get them baptized before that might happen maybe Yeah, yeah, they got them baptized, but it also was to take the stain of sin from the baby. Okay, so literally, our mothers weren't present. Well, in you see, I was born in St. Patrick's in Dublin, which is the largest mother and baby home in Ireland. Okay, and it was one of the roughest mother and baby homes because it was generally with the other mother and baby homes, Tum, um, Besborough, Sean Ross Abbey, they were owned, the buildings were owned by the nuns where we were it was owned by the council so it was a workhouse before very rough Mm -hmm. so the nuns rented it off the council and the council paid I don't know what you call it in America for our stay okay okay so generally around I should have gone out at about six weeks and in 1970s they were kind of turning them out at six weeks because they realized then we were currency Mm-hmm. and they didn't want bonding but I was 10 weeks with my mother and my mother then was put on a bus with me and she had to go into this home which was in the inner city of Dublin and it had my respectable marriage new parents in one room and my birth mother and me in the other room and I was taken from her and given to parents that weren't my blood Mm-hmm. I didn't know them. They were strangers. And she then got on a bus, went back to the home and packed up her belongings and got on the boat and got the hell out of Ireland, as a lot of women oh. did. Oh, she yeah. left Ireland after that. OK, yeah, a lot of women that were in the Magdalene laundries and the mother and baby homes. They left Ireland because Ireland had been so cruel to them. Right. And I don't blame them. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know that was an option. I know a lot of the women who were there were, you know, didn't have much money or the means to leave or anything. So she's kind of lucky then that she was able to do that, I think. Yeah, she was able to go over to family. You see, in the mother and baby homes again in the 70s, they allowed women to leave after their children were given up. Okay. Whereas before in Philomena's time, yes. the mothers and children were kept for two and a half years. And that was hard labor yes. and penance. And then the child was taken two and a half years. Yeah. So, yeah. which was horrendous. Oh, terrible. So much bonding would happen. I mean, yeah. oh, the, I remember those years with my kids and, 
it's some of the sweetest time. And just to have that ripped away is just absolutely heartbreaking. It just, this, these stories just kill me, you know? So have you ever been back to St. Patrick's to visit or talk to anybody who may have been there at the time or get answers or anything like that? Yes, we have reunions and where I was born was demolished because the council owned it and they've put up new houses. Mm -hmm. So all the children that perished, 6,000 children died from, um, say, the mid 1900s up to, say, the 70s. um, And 3,000 were the home, three and a half thousand where I was. The mortality rate at one stage in the homes was up to 82 percent. Wow. Wow. That is a staggering Absolutely. statistic yeah. that's it's it's sickening and you know in the 70s that was a time when there were there were there was medicine available there you know there were things like th- that could have been done to prevent this well in the 70s no it didn't happen and the 60s now sadly and i hope that there aren't little ears listening yeah no um where i was born um you know, we didn't have any, what we say in Ireland, we call, you say Nigerian, um, we had no foreigners in Ireland, right? right Remember, right. we were very Caucasian Catholic. Yes, yes. So a woman happened, the only foreigners that we had, Nigerians coming in, were the ones who were training to be doctors, because we have the most amazing medical school in Dublin. Oh, nice. But the okay. Irish women, yeah, loved, you know, um, something different. Yeah. So any woman that got pregnant and had what was called a half caste, which we now know yeah. is mixed race. Mm-hmm. Those children never went out for adoption. Right. Those children went on to homes. Mm-hmm. So these were industrial schools um, and then they went on to Borstals or Magdalen laundries. Down syndrome or handicapped children mm-hmm. were never, they were left to die. And there was a ward where I was, which was called the handicapped ward, which was at the back of the building. And it's terrible to even think that this went on um, and they were left to starve. And that is the truth. Yes, I I know. For Ireland. And Mm -hmm. I have only ever come across one Down syndrome child that went to foster care. And unfortunately, she died. Wow. So the regime where I was, it equipped for up to 500 babies mm-hmm. at any given time. We were safety pinned into our cots for 23 hours and 20 minutes a day. You were pinned our mother in was only allowed cots. to see it in our cots in case we rolled with cot death. Yes. I remember there was nobody. They had other mothers minding us. Our own mothers weren't minding us. Mm-hmm. And our own mother would see us for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. And that was it. That is so sad. So sad. Um, I've watched all the documentaries. I've watched everything I could get my hands on, all the news articles I've seen. Um, So the things you are telling me, I know they're a fact. I know that this is true. But for so many people, especially in the United States, I don't think a lot of people know that this actually happened. And it's just so hard to believe that it happened in the 20th century. You know, that's not that long ago. And and this was still going on. And so you said the thing about uh, Caucasian babies. Now, especially in the United States, I think there was a high demand during those years for a white baby. You know, they wanted a white baby and there were not any white babies really to adopt. So they saw this abundance of, of children who were orphans in Ireland or, or in, in these homes. And they kind of 
you know, it was a perfect match, really. The American people would get what they wanted and the Irish, um, well, the Catholic church would, would they would profit. So they were really like, they were selling babies. They were getting free slave labor in these homes. They were, they were turning a profit. They were in business basically. Well, they were, they were hugely in business because our mothers were paying because mm-hmm. our mothers, whatever they were getting per head from the government, which we call social welfare here, yes. the state was paying, society was paying, and the church was paying. And they were feeding us rotten food yeah. as children. If you got food, they were starving a lot of people. Uh, the reports that I've seen were terrible. Just skinny kids, you know, the cries just of hunger echoed through the buildings. It was a hell on earth, it seems like. So what do you, what are your thoughts on the Catholic church? Are you still affiliated with the Catholic church at all? Or, or what do you, what do you think about their role in this? Have they given apologies? Have they done anything to kind of repair the damage that they did? No, um, they, they haven't apologized. I met the Pope. I had a private meeting with the Pope in 2018. Really? When he came to Ireland and there were eight survivors. Yes, and it was quite incredible if you Google it um, because it was a tremendous meeting. I asked him, would he say at his mass that it wasn't a mortal sin for a mother or a child to look for each other as we were told, you know, by the Catholic Church and by, you know, our families. And he said it. And for me, that just changed everything in Ireland. My searches were up. The searches in the agencies were up by 80%. Oh my God. So these women in their 80s and in their 70s now realized that it wasn't a mortal sin. But am I affiliated to the Catholic Church? Absolutely not. No. no. Because how could you have, like, my social worker was a priest. They weren't qualified to be social workers. No. My family weren't vetted. I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, but children went to diabolical families that would have been better off staying with their birth mothers. You right. know, there was a lot of abuse that went on. And the only thing that the Catholic Church and the only way to disarm the Catholic Church all over the world is stop giving them money. I'm working on that That's right now. <laughs> I'm yeah. working on that right now. I agree. I feel the same way. The crimes, the atrocities that have been committed at the hands of the priests, the nuns, the the pope, the powers that be. It's if if any other organization did the things that the Catholic Church has done, they would be they would be done for. They'd be done. They would not be still in business. They wouldn't be around anymore. The Catholic Church just has so much power. It is, it's really bad. You have no idea. You know, and I say I'm 52. And as a child, my adoptive parents separated. It really wasn't great. You know, it just was Mm -hmm. messy. Mm -hmm. And we used to have priests coming to see us and the fear. And they would be touching us up as children, sexually Mm -hmm. touching us up. And I can speak about this now. Mm-hmm. But you would actually go into a paralysis when you would see a priest coming into your house. I, I, I just still to this day, I'm getting pins and needles in my legs, mm-hmm. not going back to that child. Not now. I would tell them F4 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the Catholic Church are finished in this country. 
And anybody that says, and I, I totally, like my father is 86. I, I respect, you know. Him. Right. Yes. Yes. But and his viewpoints, but yeah. Yeah. He doesn't go to church anymore. That's just I, when yeah. all this atrocity came out. Yeah. So no, no, it's yeah. finished here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the Catholic church basically stepped in for the government back when, when Ireland got its freedom from the British, right? The Catholic church played a huge part in governing the country. So it's a very Catholic country, but the grip of the church, you think it is loosening. People are, are getting wise to what's going on. Oh, I, without a shadow of a doubt, because you have people like myself and other advocates who are absolutely fantastic and saying, you know what, look at us. We're not, you know, we don't have horns and a tail. Yes, you called us bastards and we're born out of wedlock. No, we're not. Like, nowhere does it say in the Bible, you know, that about bastards or that's a man-made religion. And yeah. what happened here in Ireland, it was man-made for themselves, and it wasn't, they weren't doing the workings of Christ. And that's very different. And when you look at Catholic Ireland, we only have something like 3% Protestants. So they're mm-hmm. Church of England. Mm-hmm. Now we do have a lot of Muslims and different, you know, religions coming right, in. Right. But, and like as say, Ireland is a very different country compared to it was even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I just it, I can't describe the change. It's uh less conservative, more progressive. They're finding out that maybe that wasn't the the way to be, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, now we have, a, you know, we didn't have termination. <clears throat> so we, pardon me for co- coughing. Oh, yeah. We now have, you know, LGBTQI, it's changing all the time. Yeah. We have gay marriage, yeah. you know, and we're so forward thinking because it's the likes of my daughter who, you know, certainly they are breaking the mold. They're not baptizing their children. They mm-hmm. don't have that fear. They're putting yeah. their fingers up and nobody's joining mm-hmm. um, the priesthood or the yeah. nunhood. Oh, right. There is a huge decline in, in that. Um I think that's a lot of the reason why they excuse a lot of the bad behavior of priests in the church because they don't, I mean, they just don't have any priests coming to the seminary anymore. They're, they're really dwindling big time. Uh, So you are a big part of the coalition of mother and baby home survivors. Is that based in Ireland then? It is based in Ireland. It, we set up the coalition of mother and baby homes at the time of the commission. And we really had lobbied for, you know, um, the commission, which cost millions and was totally a whitewash. And really, it, it was a waste of taxpayers money. It was very traumatic for survivors going in. So with coalition, we pull in other kind of groups, you know, so there's very much like when you say community, there's no kind of unity in our community in Ireland. And the Catholic Church has seen to that. And a lot of people are very brainwashed. There's a lot of in-house fighting. Yeah. There's a lot of mental health. There's a lot of trauma, deep mm-hmm. trauma yeah. from um, the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. So we have, we've set this up. And what we do is we represent, but we try to be all encompassing of like, a lot of groups won't let you in if you're an adoptee. You've got to be a birth mother. Whereas we let birth mothers, adoptees, foster mothers, um, siblings of, ad- of adoptees, we let everybody come in. 
because everybody in Ireland, it's like rats, you know, adoption. They're always within nearly 12 feet of you. Mm -hmm. Like in Ireland, everyone you meet knows somebody adopted. Absolutely. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And for such, it is a very, very small country. And Mm -hmm. even when I'm searching, it is quite easy to find people, even though names have been changed. Right. Did you ever get the information on your birth mother? Did you ever meet your birth mother? Did tell, tell me a little bit about that. I did. My um, adopted mother passed away when I was 23. So I suppose engulfed in grief, I was pregnant on my second child mm. and I started searching. But <laughs> this is again, this is the Catholic Church. I sent you my records and mm-hmm. um, that uh, my birth mother had been looking for me from the time of my adoption. Oh. And had written frequently yeah. and sent toys. And I never received one letter, nothing. And the parish priest who was organizing it, they thought they were God, these men, mm-hmm. you know, kept on saying to my mother, can't give you a photograph, can't let the adopted family know. So you go through all your life, you know, all the stages, 16, 18, 21, all these milestones, thinking that your mother abandoned you. And even with adoption, like everybody knows you're adopted before you know. Mm-hmm. And then you're told like, you know, that's not your real mother. And your mother was a dirty whore. Oh. So in my mind, I couldn't understand. I, I just, I, I couldn't understand adoption. I couldn't understand how a child would be taken away, but that's mm-hmm. what I was told. So Lies. the social worker wrote to me, Uh, Yeah, wait to hear this. The social worker who worked for the Catholic Church, it was the Rescue Protection Society. I mean, who were they rescuing and protecting me from? But she had an affair with my father. Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. She was part of the social worker for the Catholic Church. No, no morals. (laughs) Placed me into a marriage, you know, a very vulnerable child that she knew. And subsequently, that marriage broke up three years later. Mm. You that, know, so that's a crazy twist. Really disgraceful. Yeah. And all of us have kind of little stories like that or when we do do our search. But yes, I did meet her and I met the social worker and um, the social worker kept on saying, I remember your parents when they adopted you. And I felt like going, you bitch, you. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't yeah. say anything. So yeah. I met my mother, my um, birth mother, and uh, it was incredible, really incredible because we met in the same room that we had been separated oh 24 years ago. And it was very bittersweet. Um, I was very young at the time. I'd just given birth to my second child. Mm. And I really wasn't mature enough to understand the how traumatic it was for both of us. Mm-hmm. We went for coffee and I had a panic attack. I, 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 I couldn't speak, you know, I, I was overwhelmed yeah. that this was my mother, that we were together again. And, and how did this happen? You know, it, this only happened in films. Mm-hmm. So I, I met her maybe 10 years later, which actually isn't uncommon in Ireland. Okay. My, believe it or not, my birth mother is a devout Catholic. Still. Still. Just kind of like the, you mentioned Philomena. Like the movie Philomena, she was a 
to vote. They, 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 that generation, the ones who were the mothers, it seems like they were so brainwashed by the Catholic church, the nuns, everyone there. They still in their later years felt like they did something wrong. They still felt like they were sinners. Absolutely. Yes. And that is very common, common with the elders of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, that will I can never trace for their children because they don't want to be traced. Okay. They do, they haven't told their husband. They've told their husband. They, their husband thought that they were virgins getting mm-hmm. married. Yeah. Because yeah. in Ireland, you had to be a virgin getting mm-hmm. married. Yeah. You know, otherwise you become an old maid. Except so, that no, and I people really weren't virgins when they got married. I mean, were they really? I mean, they, they, they felt like they had to say that, I think, because of the the retribution and the consequences with the church and they would have been ostracized. But I think, I feel like people have been having sex before marriage since the beginning of time, you know, it's, it's kind of just a human thing. Yeah. 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 It's even, you know, when you look back at the history of Ireland and when it comes to the Catholic church, you know, when the dance halls came in, I don't know what you would call them in America that, Oh my God, the Catholic church just, they thought it was Satan, you know, and they tried to ban jazz music. And even in Ireland, up until I'd say maybe 80s, um, women who were married and had children had to be what was called churched. So they were not allowed outside their front door until they went to the parish priest and they went to the side altar and they were churched because they were deemed to be dirty. A lot of women who were married said that they were suicidal. They weren't I, allowed outside their house. I so that's a good imagine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, the treatment of women in Ireland was so barbaric in not even that long ago. Uh, you know, I, what, I can't remember what year it was that I read, but uh, not that long ago, women were just granted the ability to work outside the home in Ireland. That's That's not that new of a thing. And uh, that was in the 70s absolutely yeah. and you know if you if you weren't married you would go into the civil service and be, just become an old maid mm-hmm. but like even you know in Ireland when you're looking back and it's not that long ago we have a monthly payment called it's everybody gets it, called the children's allowance okay and that's really for the mothers to buy school shoes or whatever okay. and that actually was granted to the father's the mothers weren't allowed. They didn't have control of the money. The, the men only had control Absolutely. of the money. They couldn't have bank accounts in Ireland, women. It just like, blows it's, my it's, mind. It's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and when my father left my mother, my adopted father left my adopted mother, uh, literally, we were like pariahs in the community. Mm-hmm. It, it was like there was something and you know they're looking at my mother it wasn't my mother it was my father right yeah but, but they blamed the women for ev- everything absolutely. didn't they yes. yeah hi everybody. hi everybody this is Bo and this is Adam thank you for listening to our mom's podcast True Crime IRL if you're obsessed with murder shows like your mom, you can support the podcast by going to Patreon and becoming a member. Just go to patreon.com slash podcast. It helps your mom pay all the bills and buy us new shoes. Lock your doors, people! Just lock them.
Bye-bye. So were, were men in the home, the patriarch or the family, were they, it, what were, what I, cause I'm not from Ireland. What, what were the men like? What was the head of the household? Like, were they, you know, abusive? Was there a lot of abuse in homes or what, what were they like? Very much so. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't matter what class, whether it's working class, middle class, you know, there, there was a lot of abuse towards women. There was an awful lot of uh, marital rape, an awful lot of that. Okay. Okay. Um, Again, because the women, it was so ingrained in them that you only had sex to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And like I have done searches for people and one woman had 13 children out of wedlock and her 13 children were given up for adoption. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. And she used to clean the Catholic Church every morning. She'd get in her bike and go down and clean the altar and everything. And I won't say who the father was because it, it's too, it might, it, I think it's going into a film or something. But uh, quite it, just incredible. That is incredible. But even in the home that I was in, the parish priest, there was a little shop there that your mothers would be able to go down and say, buy a few, maybe a christening robe or whatever. But he would say to the mothers, if you have sex with me, he would buy the christening robe. And I kid you not. Yeah. These women are only after giving birth. Okay, so people put priests on a pedestal and they really don't belong there. Um, it was, co- I mean, here in America, the big thing with priests is the pedophilia. We've got a lot of pedophilia um, um, among priests, usually towards l- little boys most of the time. Um, do they have a lot of that in Ireland or is it mostly just, um, you know, just what, what's... Oh, no, it's they- rampant. Absolutely rampant in Ireland. Wow. Uh, particularly, you know, there have been a few priests, I suppose, that have been, you know, sent to jail. But I was part of something with the Synod there recently moving towards how, you know, how do we move towards making the Catholic Church better? Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing we said is certainly that if there are people to become priests or bishops, they have got to meet survivors. They have got to go through courses and be vetted. Because they're like in the arsehole of a dungeon in a big house with a housekeeper, not realizing, silver spoon, oh, not totally. realizing yeah. what is going on. And the Vatican also mm-hmm. is a pool of it. Of mm-hmm. what? Do you remember a child went missing there back in the 80s? Mm-hmm. Just disappeared. Yeah. Never found. I just, and I've been to the Vatican. Oh, it, it's. It's actually, it, it's disgusting. It's so mm. opulent. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But in Ireland, certainly 60s, 70s, 80s, the priests were like sex maniacs. And I don't want to be upsetting anybody listening. No, it I know. I, I've heard and the same thing, actually, in the research I've done about it. I've heard other people say the same thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, the parents, the same as Spotlight, you know, I, I, the film, I Spotlight, that too. Yeah. but the same with, you know, if the parish priest went into an Irish home and said, I'm just going up to read Paddy, a bedtime story. Hmm. The parents knew, they knew the abuse was going on most of the time, but Paddy wouldn't say anything and the parents wouldn't say anything. Sure. Who'd believe you? Right. Oh my goodness. So they were kind of complicit in it. 
because again, they held the priests on such a pedestal and they would be kind of like honored when they would come to their home. That was a big deal. Yeah. And if you had a bishop, you see, we were very much a farming, you know, background, I suppose, in our kind of rural Ireland. I was reared in the city. So if you had one priest and one nun, oh, my God, you were paved to heaven. That was it. Oh, you know, wow. it was such a, a badge of honor mm-hmm. to have, um, you know, as that religion in your fam- family. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know whether you have it in America, but up until, and it still happens in some homes, you go into the house and they have these, um, you know, statues with flickering lights on their heart. Do you ever see those? Oh, I think so. That sounds familiar. Not not a lot of that, but I've seen them before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or you go in and they have uh, holy water and they start like spraying you with holy water. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Just- I've seen that. Yeah. Well, I was raised Catholic, actually, but just kind of like the kind of Catholics who would go to church on Christmas and Easter, that yeah. kind of Catholic. So um, I'm I'm a recovering Catholic at this point. So that's, yeah, that's my thing. Um, so what what other anecdotes or stories do you have about, you know, your time or or are you in contact with other survivors? Do you, are you friend? do you have friendships or relationships with other sur- survivors? Yeah, I, I run a group in Ireland called Beyond Adoption Ireland. And I set that up 12 years ago. Um, I was recovering from cancer. Oh, and a lot of us, you know, we, because we were part of experiments in the homes mm-hmm. um, it, that went on, like as if it wasn't bad enough, they were allowing us to be experimented on. You in know, what way? Trials. Like medications or? Oh, yeah, yeah, injections, medication. Yes. Um, and particularly a lot of women survivors, like I have severe problems with my bowel and digestion. And okay. um, it's very prevalent. A lot of survivors have a, a bag, you know, a colostomy bag. But uh, I kind of went off on a different subject there because we could be talking wow. for hours. Well, I um, and I'm good with that. Yeah. I want to hear everything. I want to hear everything. So and I don't even know totally what questions to ask because I know yeah. there's so no, much. No, so. Because it is so much, you know, and I mean, what's the, the most beautiful thing in the world is the birth of a child oh yes but yet they call it sin and you know I didn't do anything wrong so why and our mothers didn't know we were being experimented on our mothers okay. almost thought that we were special okay okay and these experiments went on even when the children went out for adoption a doctor would come. Dr. Coffee was the one in my home, but I was in hospital an awful lot um, for the first kind of 10 weeks. Very, very unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it transpires, they were doing drug trials. And it's um, like a, it reminds me of a science fiction movie or, yeah. you know, or like um, The Handmaid's Tale is a, a series here or American yeah, Horror I, Story. I've seen it. I actually, yeah, I, I, it, it's worse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it just seems unreal. Yeah, um, I found that very triggering. Handmaid's Tale. Mm, but I'm sure you did. Yeah, we, uh, with a, a lot, we do have um, yeah ill health, you know. And again, not knowing our heritage, our lineage, our m- medical history, right. we had to kind of find out the wrong way. 
So I suppose, yeah, I set up Beyond Adoption 12 years ago. Just really, I was a bit kind of green when it came to everything because I was adopted into a middle class family. Okay. So I was kind of shielded quite a lot from the real history. Remember, it's not in the history books in Ireland, mother and baby homes. Imagine laundry is the only touch. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's almost like they have, they don't want us to remember. Um, So... There's now, oh, I think it's two and a half thousand members on that. I have done searches, Canada, America, Australia, Ireland. Thousands of searches, thousands of reunifications, um, getting people their original birth certs, finding families, doing DNA. And you do it when you start off, you do it like my background is working in mental health. It becomes like it's in my DNA now to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's just and it's such a privilege for people to allow me and they come and ask me. And again, it's voluntary and I love doing it to let them know who they are and where they came from. That's so important. The basic human thing, yeah. because yeah, when you're adopted, you don't look like the people you're adopted to. No, you know, and you're in a room and you're a stranger. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You you know that you don't belong to these people, but you're grateful because you're told to be grateful. Right. right. Yep. So, yes, I do. I, we have a farm and as you can see, we have log cabins. So yeah. uh, many survivors come and stay with us. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, they would stay maybe, yeah, two or three nights. Um, these survivors that would be very lonely, maybe short on money. A lot of survivors are sadly short on money because they had to, they went through such mental torture. Right. And education wasn't an option. Addictions very high as well. Gambling. Um, so suicide they come down. Probably too. Like the well, suicide rate, I'm sure, is high among that group of people. Terribly, terribly sad because. Last Christmas, 12 months, I was doing a search with a girl who was from the west of Ireland. She was 34 and extremely articulate. Mm -hmm. Uh, She ran, she had a a little school, won't go into too much because it's so identifying here. (laughs) Oh, right. I know. Everybody knows everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She sent me an email that she had sent to Tusla, which is our agency that's Mm -hmm. supposed to help us search. Okay. And she said, you have ruined, you've destroyed my life. And I won't go into the rest, but she took her life Christmas Eve. Oh, that is absolutely heartbreaking. So tragic. She was, you know, um, and, yeah. and she wasn't Catholic. And yeah. that's, uh, that, that has an effect, not just on her family, but all the survivors as well. A deep impact. You all feel that you all feel her pain. You very know what she's common. going through. Mm-hmm. Very, very common in Ireland and um, suicide ideation. Because remember, you know, we have the mother and baby homes. We have the Magdalene laundries. We have the industrial schools. We have the psychiatric hospitals, which a lot of women, when I have done searches for their children looking for them, their mothers were raped by priests and workers at these institutions, I I think. Yeah. Uh, My understanding is that when a woman would try to run away because you know, she didn't want to be in there for years and she didn't have the money to pay to get out. You could pay to get out. Of course, you could. it was the Catholic Church. You could pay to get out. But if they would run away multiple times, 
finally they would be locked up in a mental mental institution oh, finally, yes, yes, where they yes. would go yeah it was it was just it was prison really it was it was prison but you know, it was and a lot of women did try and escape and you know even the police over here were in on it mm-hmm, the police mm-hmm. would go like they committed no sin there was no crime no and the police would escort them back in you know it, and, yeah and- yeah they had just a baby. <laughs> That's it. They just, they had a, baby. had a baby. By a man. Oh. And where are all the fathers, all our fathers? They all effed off. Mm-hmm. They got away scot-free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to certainly with Tume, you know, there's only two or three nuns and they have Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be, the only way in this country is, you know, there needs to be redress. Yes. I and wanted have- to talk about that redress reparations making it right what are they doing right now it's an absolute mess what they've done because with the um with the inquiry they said that anyone that was below six months as a baby in a home it has no effect on us whatsoever so therefore we're not going to get any payment anyone that was over six months to a year gets five thousand euros i I mean that's not enough either but that's ridiculous because a lot of survivors just want money to be able to bury themselves Mm -hmm, in a mm -hmm. cabin spot right right okay oh my gosh yeah Um, so 48% of us living survivors have been totally excluded from redress. Wow. So it's like as if all those experiments, that trauma, that separation, you, you can't equate, but survivors need money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They yes. need money to be able to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. They're in very poor health, particularly mm-hmm. the elders. And the mortality of the survivors, sadly, is 20% less than people that were within a loving family. It's the tr- deep trauma that's in the DNA. The it body, is. The soul. It, it, early trauma leaves a, leaves a scar. Yeah. It really does. And uh, they started out in the world unhealthy, malnourished, separated from their mothers, just pinned down in a cot all day. You know, <laughs> that's, that leaves a yeah. scar, even if you were there it, 10 it, weeks. It, it leaves, you know, and, and I think we're very open now. The Internet has been great for Irish survivors. And like we are talking about our early kind of trauma and childhood. And I certainly myself suffered from severe mental health mm-hmm. and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And eventually um, it was PTSD. And I just always felt like I was running the anxiety because I didn't have until I had my own children. I, I just wasn't, I didn't feel grounded and a lot of drinking and a lot of, you know, things I shouldn't have been doing, mm-hmm. but I'm here to live, to tell the tale, thankfully, whereas a lot of survivors aren't. That's and true. this happened, like people think pots of gold, you know, and when you look at the quiet man and all these kind of films, the corruption mm-hmm. in this country and it's ongoing. Um, but the, I'd say the only way is to cut the Catholic church and they know they're snookered. They know their time is up now. We're, we're becoming very liberated in this country. Right. That's a good thing. So, well, what are they doing? Are they offering money? Or now they are offering $5,000. I But I heard something about 
food cards or something like that? Are they doing anything like that? No, they're offering medical cards. Medical which, cards, okay. Yeah, but most survivors have medical cards, you know, because we're on, I, I don't know, you call it social security in your mm-hmm. country. It's mm-hmm. social welfare in this country. So they get it anyway. And our medical system is okay in Ireland. It's not the worst. Mm-hmm. It's not great for mental health. Um, no, they're not offering, um, you know, and surely there should be sheltered housing for some survivors. Mm-hmm. You know, no, 5,000 and um, basically go away and just leave us alone. The Catholic Church were so clever that they had the prime locations. I mean, their houses that they sold were millions. Mm-hmm. They sold up. They knew all this was coming down the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They sold up and they shipped out. Mm-hmm. They did. I, I read that. Um, like the Sisters of Bon Secours, they closed down and moved away. And it was interesting because... Yeah. Typically, I know Irish people are very, um, they, it, death and burial and funerals, things like that are sacred. Yeah. And they, in tomb, they did not treat the babies in a, that kind of way. They disposed of them like trash. Yet the women, yeah. the, the nuns who passed away during the time that the institution was open, got a full, you know, uh, respectful, proper burial. And when they moved to a different location, they exhumed all of those 14 yeah. nuns, took them and reburied them properly. Um, but the babies that died there were shoved into a sewer pit. So uh, yeah. that's the topic of the new uh, documentary that just recently came out in the United States. It's called The Missing Children. Have you watched that at, at all or anything? No. It's no, by a, not yet. a media media company or a streaming network called Topic is the name of it. it. So um, I don't know if it, it's an American thing or what, but they go into detail. And that's that's really what brought this story to light for me is that new documentary. Before that, I did not know that any of this happened. I didn't know anything about any of this. And just hearing the details, it seemed just like it could not possibly be true. It just like, how could yeah. this happen yeah. in an, in an industrialized nation? You know, how could this happen in a modern society? But it did. Yeah, it absolutely did. You know, and as you say, Handmaid's Tale, everybody in Ireland knew what was going on. It was the best kept secret. You know, the politicians and the priests even had their own private mother and baby home, a step up from us little scumbags. Wow. It, it was just, yeah. And that was like in a, a huge Georgian house and the women were treated better. They got medication. And where do you leave the illegal adoptions as well? You know, oh my the, the gosh, that's a... Yes, another yeah. entire topic, um, illegal adoptions. I, uh, basically, they would buy babies, you know, without the consent of the mother. A lot of the times mothers were told that their baby had died and that was a lie. And they would yes. forge death certificates. They would forge uh, adoption yeah. certificates. They'd forge all I'm the paperwork. Yeah, I'm doing a search at the moment for twins because twins, Caucasian, Catholic, Irish yeah. Um, so these twins were born in the late 50s. Their mother was in a psychiatric institution. Uh, she had many children that were taken off her. But they said they told her that her twins had died. And um, when we looked at the records, it actually said destined for America. 
yes. Yep, they forged yep. the death cert. So this is a search that's ongoing. You might want to come back, Kelly, sometime and we can talk again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. Just we're fighting at the moment. They're saying that these twins are born in the grounds of um, Besbra. No, we think that these twins were sold to America. As they say, 3,000, we reckon it's more 6,000. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, fighters were coming in through Shannon, you know, Americans, basically just popping down to a mother and baby home, putting a baby under their arm and mm-hmm. bringing a baby home to their wife. Yeah. And that's yes. what went on. And the American embassy allowed it in mm-hmm. Ireland mm-hmm. and the Irish embassy. Oh, it was just. They just closed their eyes, buried their heads in the sand. It pretended like it wasn't happening because. Well, the Holy Trinity, really, um, as long as everybody's getting paid. Mm -hmm. But we are now the casualties of this. Yes. We are the living modern history survivors. Yes. And what it has done, you know, with the intergenerational trauma that our children suffer. Right. Yes. Our trauma. It's a cycle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a cycle. And it's very hard to break mm-hmm. because uh, uh, you don't know how to break it because right. it's it's foreign matter. It's yes. something that was done to you and you did nothing, mm-hmm. did nothing to deserve it. Yeah. The innocent victims of the Catholic corruption in Ireland and greed, you know, and uh, cover up and conspiracy, too. Uh Thank you so much for talking to me today. Is there anything you want to add or any, you know, websites you want to plug or um, the, the coalition? Yeah. The Go coalition, they, but Beyond Adoption Ireland is a very, very good site for, because like what, what we're seeing now in Ireland is there's a lot of children coming in from China and Korea. And so if anybody kind of just wants to kind of connect and just see what kind of Irish adoptees or Romanians that were big, Ceausescu, you know, in the 90s and all mm-hmm. of that. So it's just kind of, if people want to come in, it's it's a really warm, encompassing group. It's lovely. That's um, great. So Beyond Adoption. Time, Beyond Adoption Ireland. Okay. Um, come back anytime. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm very excited for my listeners to hear this and I want to get information out there on all of this that happened. So, and I love Ireland too. I've never been, but I hope to come this year. So (laughs) I will. It's a beautiful country. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Cloda, so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Have a great week. Keep in touch. I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. True Crime IRL is written, produced, and hosted by Kelly Barron's Brink. Please subscribe to True Crime IRL wherever you get your podcasts and consider leaving a five-star review. Go to truecrimeirl.com for more information. Support the show by becoming a Patreon donor. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also support the show by leaving a tip in the TCIRL tip jar. Go to truecrimeirl.com and click on the donate button. Or buy merch in the TCIRL merch shop truecrimeirl.com slash merch. Watch True Crime IRL on YouTube at youtube.com slash kellybrinktv. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at truecrimeirl, all one word. True Crime IRL theme music is produced by the captain at True Crime Garage. 